live at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar inside Treasure Island. It's Cofield and Company. He looks right, comes left, throws down the sideline, wide open, George Kittle! Cuts inside 10, cuts inside again, touchdown! San Francisco! It's time for Cofield and Company with Steve Cofield. On ESPN Las Vegas. It's Friday, Friday. Gotta get down on Friday. Everybody's looking forward to the weekend, weekend. Friday, Friday. Getting down on Friday. Everybody's looking forward to the weekend. Partying, partying. Partying, partying. Yeah! All right, here we go. Friday, 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 Friday. Cofield and Company. On the road, Treasure Island is a spot. Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar is where we're at. We're here every Friday. And then again on Saturday, we're not here, but the station is. Willie Ramirez and Gooch with Throw the Flag at 9 a.m. on Fridays. But we're here for the next three hours getting ready for a big Week 15 in the National Football League. We'll see what the Raiders have left in the tank. We'll get into some uh, Raiders conversations later in the show with former Oakland Raider. Stanford route and uh, former NFL player Mark McMillan, who I know is going to have strong thoughts on what happened over a week ago with the Raiders that put their season in almost in the coffin. They still have a fighting chance, so that's coming up. A lot of college football today as we're uh, tracking bowl games. It is beginning or the beginning of the bowl season, which. Here at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar, Dynamite Place, they've got 55-plus TVs to watch. You can bet at the Sportsbook, obviously, uh, but you can bet 24-7 at the kiosk. So anytime you need to get in your bet, Treasure Island and Golden Circle is a good spot. Parking is free. Unheard of on the Strip. Parking is free. So take advantage of it. Come on down today for happy hour little afternoon food or dinner, great spot. We'll uh, tell you more about the menu a little later on here at the Golden Circle. Cofield and company on the road. Ari's back in our Finley Toyota studio. So, we have one bowl final in. Boy, this would have been nice for uh, UNLV to finish off their season the right way, get that Hawaii win. You'd still have Marcus Arroyo around. We will get to the new regime, which has made some waves here the first week or so in many ways. We're going to check in with our national college football insider, Michael Felder, who uh, rarely do we speak with Mike about UNLV, but first Barry Odom out of the SEC, head coaching and as a player and as a defensive coordinator, that caught some attention nationally, and Bobby Petrino certainly did. So Mike's coming up in just a little bit. UAB caught some National headlines when they went after the completely inexperienced guy, while uh, UNLV's got Odom, a former SEC head coach, and now Bobby Petrino, former SEC and ACC, and whatever they were in in the early 2000s. I can't even keep track of all the conference movement. Uh, For all I know, that could have been the Metro. Uh, For people who were as old as me and older, you remember that? That was an old uh, basketball conference. But anyway, um, Louisville and the Big East at one point, too. Uh, But yeah, Trent Dilfer's at UIB. They... um, they won today, so nice for him to file that away, not necessarily as the coach, but as a program, and move forward. And we'll see how the UAB experiment goes. But they beat Miami of Ohio 24-20, to and uh, we got one game going on right now before a massive slate tomorrow that includes our own Las Vegas Bowl 
uh, right now UTSA. You know, there's a UNLV follower. You should be familiar with them. Uh, UTSA last year barely beat the Rebels. That was kind of part of the uh, Marcus Arroyo legacy that they really had trouble winning close games, 1-10 in, in one-score games over the last few years. But right now, nine minutes left, and UTSA trails Troy 18-12. to 12. And like I said, full slate tomorrow around college football, so that'll be very, very cool. Last night, Thursday night football, a big win for San Francisco further cementing themselves as one of the favorites in the NFC. They clinched the NFC West. They take out Seattle. Geno Smith kind of played like old Geno Smith. They couldn't run the ball. And Brock Purdy, solid, not spectacular. He got the job done. Not massive numbers, but they turned to the run game. And, you know, if you uh, love watching film of little Shanny's football porn, as we call it, his, uh, his playbook and the way they run the ball, you see a guy in McCaffrey who's not awesome running between the tackles, but a pretty good running back. And he went out, had over 100. They had another back go for uh, 60, almost scored at the end of the game. That was kind of interesting. But good win for the Niners, and the Brock Purdy story continues. So that will be a cool one to follow. And, of course, the big thing with the Niners is their defense. Their defense is carrying them, even with all these injuries, the offense having to go through quarterback after quarterback after quarterback. No Debo Samuel, and the defense continues to play awesome football. Saw the number last night uh, from our buddy uh, Josh Dubow from the AP, who covers Northern California. Niners on the season now have picked off the opponent 14 times. They've only allowed 13 touchdown passes. That is uh, that is the mark of a really, really good defense. So let's get to it. Friday show here. Cofield and Company on the road at Treasure Island. Come on down. Enjoy happy hour. Great food. We got some uh, T-shirts. We also have a chance to uh, register and win G League tickets later in the show. We're going to be giving away uh, tickets to go see VGK on the 23rd. You know what? I'll do that right now. Screw it. I got multiple pairs of tickets. Two tickets to see the Blues and the Golden Knights. It's Friday the 23rd next week, right before Christmas. What a nice gift for you or family members. A couple of tickets. You can grab yours at AXS.com. Friday the 23rd, 7 o'clock. Puck drop. St. Louis in town against the Golden Knights. Ari's got your tickets. 364-1100. Caller 7. On the way back, Michael Felder. And we'll get his take as a guy who really knows that region of the country, the SEC, the South. His take on what UNLV did with a new offensive coordinator, Bobby Petrino. Tomorrow at 9 a.m., it's Throw the Flag with Willie Ramirez and Gooch, live from the Treasure Island, right here on ESPN Las Vegas. You are listening to Cofield and Company, live at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar inside Treasure Island. Back here, our weekly college football spot. Lots of good stuff to talk about. We'll get into uh, the beginning of ball season, which includes the Las Vegas Bowl here in Sin City. Michael Felder is our college football insider on the national level. All right, let's come right out of the gates. Uh, shocking news on Thursday morning. Bobby Petrino is back in FBS. Frankly, I didn't even know he was at FCS. He was at uh, Missouri State, but he is mm-hmm. now the offensive coordinator at UNLV. Your thoughts? Listen, he is what I want him to watch my kid uh, over a weekend. Absolutely not. But do I want him to coach my kid into being a really good football player? Absolutely. Like he's, I don't think he's the best person. Obviously we all know, we remember that my first week at Bleach Report was when he got into the motorcycle accident. Oh boy. So it was like, that's, that's how I'm intrinsically tied to him is that. And it's like him showing up with the neck brace and the whole deal and yada, yada, yada. So, I, but he is a really good football coach and, 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 
he was really good at Arkansas. He was really good at Louisville. He he at Louisville twice. He completely directed that program to success. He he helped. He was he created success with Lamar Jackson. He created success, obviously, with Ryan Mallett. He was able to create that success. So the big thing for me is just now he's not in charge. And that's important to note that he's not in charge. Barry Odom is going to be in charge. And from all accounts, all reports, Barry Odom is a good guy. So we'll see what this looks like. But he's just going to run that levels offense where they run across the field and they stretch you out and they make you work. And he's trying to work his way back into the good graces. It's it's interesting to me. And Cofield, let me ask you this. How is it that Petrino, obviously leaving the Falcons, obviously with what happened at Arkansas, He's in better graces than Hugh Freeze, who just got the Auburn job. I think he, yeah, because Hugh Freeze gets to be a head coach. Petrino's got to be an, an OC. Yeah, the Freeze thing is interesting to me. Uh, the fact that he kind of he kind of bowed up when uh, about eight questions into the press conference, people asked him about <laughs> second chances. I was like, bro, you can't you can't puff out your chest and start yeah. going on the attack. And like, I already answered the question. The question's not really answered with either guy until you're in the situation again as a head coach in the SEC, or in this case, Bobby Petrino is in Vegas. And I always think that's an interesting question. Yeah. I've lived here for 26 years. Mm -hmm. There are vices here. I think you know, clearly Petrino has proven that you can doink someone on the side, get into a motorcycle accident in small town USA. But what do you think when people look at candidates, like we've gone through this with basketball coaches. Hey, yep. this basketball coach has been in trouble. This guy has this vice. Should you bring him to Vegas? What do you think from afar about, a guy like Petrino landing in Vegas. It's been a long time. I don't know what he's been doing since from a character right. standpoint, but what do you think of guys like this landing in a city like Vegas? I think that, I think it's honestly, I think it's oddly easier for them because they can bury themselves in the work and there's so much spotlight that they have to be under control. I think it's easier when you're, um, I, I think it's easier to be, to, to go off the rails in small town because everybody's hush, hush. Nobody says anything, right? And nobody says anything at Auburn. Nobody says anything at Arkansas. Nobody says anything in Tuscaloosa. Nobody says, they, they, they work to protect that versus, I mean, you, you know this, there's TMZ. TMZ is in Las Vegas every day. Oh yeah. And so I think oh, yeah. that's the, I think that's the big difference is it's harder it's harder in a bigger city. It's harder in Miami. It's harder in LA. It's harder in Vegas. It's harder in, um, I would even say Columbus. It's harder than, than being in Fayetteville or Auburn or Clemson even. It's harder there. It's, it, it's, excuse me. It's, let me make sure I get this right. It is harder in those bigger cities it's easier in those smaller towns right? because they want to protect you. Everyone's on board. And that's why, you know, at yeah. the worst level, that's why stuff, you know, like Waco happens with Baylor. That's why Bingo. Yes. Penn State, you know, you had yep. hundreds of people willing to cover up for the uh, scumbaggery Bingo. and disgustingness of uh, Sandusky. So, mm -hmm. yeah, there'll be some people certainly looking out for uh, and, and watching. I don't know if they're going to be looking out for his for his own good. But, right. but, there'll, be, Petrino, but there'll be eyes on. Oh, there will be. Um. Last one on Petrino. So uh, if folks uh, didn't see the news, Bobby Petrino, former NFL coach, former college coach, a very scandal-riddled career at times, is the new OC at UNLV. If I'm a parent, right, and I'm an offensive player, yeah. and I'm going to send my kid to go play under Bobby Petrino, what do you think 
Odom says, what do you think position coaches say? What does Petrino say when you're like, hey, is this guy going to be a good mentor for my 18-year-old? I'm going to get him to the NFL. Like, I, I'm, I listen, I, I'm still good friends with Des Fitzpatrick and his family. And they played at um, Louisville. And Petrino was the big sell there because he's going to get you to the NFL. And Des didn't have the NFL career that he wanted, but his teammate, a couple of his teammates did including, you know, obviously Lamar Jackson, but also um, played for the Dolphins. Now I can't remember his name, wide receiver. But they, like, they got stuff done. He sets guys up for success. Obviously, we mentioned Ryan. Ryan, Ryan Mallett had no business being in the NFL for as long as he was. <laughs> but he gets you there. He'll get you to where you want to go. And the other thing with, with Petrino, and this is him as a head coach, I don't know what it's going to be like with him as an offensive coordinator, he lets the guys be themselves. And that's something that when Satterfield came to Louisville, it was a completely different world because he was like, no do-rags, no headbands, no this, no that, no sagging pants, no this. And all those guys were like, Coach Petrino let us just do all our stuff. <laughs> he let us just hang out. And I think about that, like, and folks, can you can pin it on Petrino, but when um, my last year at UNC was John Bunning's last year at UNC as well. And then we brought in Butch Davis. And one of the guys in a meeting, I wasn't in the meeting because I was done. But one of the guys in the meeting, he goes, Coach, how do you feel about grills? He's like, for cooking? <laughs> and he was like, no, nah, no, nah, like on my teeth, my grills. And Butch Davis goes, hell yeah, dog. Makes me feel like I'm back at Miami. And he was fine with grills, do-rags, the whole deal. Petrino's also fine with that stuff. Like, be yourself. You don't have to fit into my box. I want you to be yourself because that's how I'm going to get the best football out of you. Well, I've seen some uh, national people like uh, Ari Wasserman about two weeks ago said that UNLV needs to embrace Vegas and be kind of wild and crazy. Well, here yeah. you go. Bobby Petrino is in the fold. Colorado is certainly trying something new. We're about a week oh, and a man. half into Deion Sanders, and I know you have a lot to say on this. Um, can we start with the wronging of someone or something in the Jackson State case? Who was wronged here? Was it Deion being underpaid and potentially not getting some of his money, or was it Jackson State and HBCUs? I, I think that I think it's double. It's it's there's two prongs to this. One, I think Jackson State did try to funnel money away. We'll find out if that's true or not. But the other part of it is I do think that Dion's like, he hurt people. Like, that's that's the thing. And we can say a million times over that Dion was being Dion. And I was talking to Roddy Jones last night when we did College Sports Now. Talked to Roddy Jones. I talked to, like, Dion has always been about Dion. Always. He's his. The song that he made is called Must Be the Money. Like, it's not weird that Dion wants more money, but I think it's really hard for, especially for HBCUs, when he sells you a bill of goods about stick bringing the black athlete back to the HBCU, elevating HBCU football, when he sells you that, and then in three years he's gone. For Colorado, and I think Colorado is a sticking point because he didn't leave for Florida State. He didn't leave for Auburn. Not that Auburn would hire a black coach, but 
He didn't leave for Auburn. He didn't leave for USC or UCLA or even state. Like, he didn't leave for those schools. He left for Colorado. He just wanted the money. And it is clearly just the money. And he's going to take what he did. He's going to take 10. What is he taking? 10 or 12 of those kids with him to Colorado. And then you watch that Colorado, not a presser, the first team meeting. And he lets those kids explicitly know he doesn't want them. And that, I, I and I say this, I talked to um, Roman Harper uh, on, this weekend. Because Roman Harper was like, I love that attitude. If you're not good enough, get out. But I think about it as a guy who was, I'm in the bottom half of the roster. Yep. And when that coach comes in and tells me he wants me to leave, I'm like, yeah, but I, my friends are all here. My girlfriend's here. Like, I I don't want to leave. I'm going to work hard. I'm just not going to be as fast as you want me to be. Guess what? I'll never be as fast as you want me to be. But I still have value on this football team. But he wanted those kids to all leave so he could bring new kids in. So I think there's a it's a complicated situation where, yes, HBCU fans are hurt. The players on that roster are terrified of what's going to happen to them. And then you got new guys coming in that feel like they're going to rule the world. And it's like Colorado. Like, it's it's Colorado. Like, they're not – I understand that they – I used to love Colorado football when they were in the big – was the big eight, big 12. I love that. But they're not that anymore. No. And it's just going to be really rough to watch and see how this goes. But – I will say this, the last thing, we get to find out if Dion can coach. No doubt, because it's a pretty impressive lineup of coaches, yeah. even with UCLA and USC moving on to the Big Ten. Yeah. You got some good competition. You're going to have to step up. Uh, Jimmy's and Joe's aren't going to be everything for yep. Dion. And, and I agree with you. Uh, people don't realize uh, day-to-day practice and culture of a program and what is needed from the walk-ons and a and a scout team and right. Hey, you know, I, I just talked to a UNLV walk on from a few years ago just to get his perspective on the, uh, on the program. And he was a 5'10, 285 offensive lineman. And, you know, yeah. people look at him, it's like, oh, what's he doing on the team? Well, he plays an important role. Um, yep. walk ons can be leaders on the team. You have to have consistency in practice. So, a awful situation at Mississippi State where Mike Leach has passed away. Tough. They got to play a football game in a couple of weeks. Zach Arnett is going to step up. I mean, what are we going to get out of this Mississippi State football team? How do you go play a football game after that? I don't know. and I get, I'm of two minds, Cofield. Um, first, obviously, it's very sad. Mike Leach is gone, and obviously, he's passed away. And he's a guy that a lot of people in, like, and I don't say mainstream media in, like, the Fox News way, but, like, a lot of folks that, you know, whether it's Sports Illustrated or ESPN or whatever, they really loved him because he gave them a quote when they needed it. I have never been a fan because I think that the way that he treats people is not good. And I've talked to people that worked in like the athletic department at Texas tech. And they're like, yeah, we, we were winning games, but we were ready to get rid of this guy. And so it's sad that he's gone, but I don't, I don't, I'm, I'm curious about this football team, Dylan Johnson. Okay. Dylan Johnson. We saw him transfer out and he was like, yeah. And the coach hated me and, he was mean to me and I didn't like him. And so I don't know if they're going to be upset. They're not going to be happy that he's gone, that he's passed away. But to the opportunity to bring in a new coach, I think, is going to be 
it's going to help these kids flourish. So I don't know. It's really, it's a rough situation. I know the media love Mike Leach, the players. It seems like every player that wasn't a quarterback didn't particularly care for him. But then you have this coaching tree, right? That expands from Cliff Kingsbury and, and, and Lincoln Riley and all these guys. They're obviously affected by this. So it's just, it's a rough spot to be in. So RIP Mike Leach, he was a very interesting figure in college football. I, I, I For Mississippi State, we'll see where they go from here. Michael Felder's with us here on Cofield and Company. We'll take a quick break here. On the way back, we're going to talk Las Vegas Bowl. Join Cofield and Company on Fridays for the 3 to 6 show at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar. There's nothing like a football Friday at Treasure Island. Hang in at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar inside Treasure Island. It's Cofield and Company. So much college football news rolling on with Michael Felder. Appreciate him giving us all this time at In the Bleachers. He's part of the uh, Field of 12 podcast. Also is uh, involved with Learfield. More yeah. than involved. He's part of the podcast family <laughs> with Learfield. All right, I got to ask you about a uh, coaching move because we were just talking about Dion a couple of minutes ago. Purdue goes with Ryan Walters, young guy, defensive side mm-hmm. of things. Purdue, I think, has always been an outlier, being more offensive-minded than the rest of the Big Ten. And the other yeah. thing to now look at is where does Purdue go with Ryan Walters, a Colorado guy, yeah. versus what Dion does with Colorado. So what do you think of this move, uh, plucking a 36-year-old off the uh, Illini staff? I mean, these guys, the fact that these coaches are younger than me now feels crazy. Like, it's just these guys are – everybody's bubbling up. And I, I just – with Walters, I am, I'm excited. I just I want defensive guys to get hired no matter what. Like I just want them to get the jobs because Are you objective? You play defense. Are you objective? I I think I'm objective. I think they don't get as big of a shot as these offensive guys. Yeah. Remember, what is it? What is it? Jake Spivey and we're seeing Cliff Kingsbury got an NFL job. What how? How? Like that doesn't make any sense. I think everybody, and I think about Bubba, Bubba Walters at UNC, and he's like, when he hired Lear Fedora, he was like, offense puts butts in seats. They sell tickets. Let's do this. So I'm very excited always when an NFL guy, or excuse me, when a defensive guy gets a job. So I'm excited for it. I just think that for Purdue, they've got every, every iteration of Purdue has had a very special player. Um, I think Aiden O'Connell is a special player. I think that um, was it Rondell Moore, special player. Carlaftis, uh, George Carlaftis, special player. They have these special guys, and those guys buoy that program. And so you just got to find those guys because everybody else is going to fall in line. Everybody else that goes to Purdue is built to go to school, and they're good at it. They're good at going to school. These kids are smart. And so you just got to find that special guy that everybody else can rally around. So I'm excited for it. I just, I mean, they gave Michigan a game for what? 40 minutes? 40 minutes, that was a contest. And Brom, obviously Brom leaving to go to, to, to Louisville. He's going home. But they, they, they got him out wide and then they got him on the inside and they did what they're supposed to do. I just... I think you've got to make it work, and it's going to be harder in the Big Ten than ever before because they're getting rid of divisions. And so how often do you think we're going to see Ohio State versus Michigan back-to-back? Last couple of things with Michael Felder. Appreciate all the time today. Uh, the other, you know, the big angle in in uh, the bowl games right now is mm-hmm. 
who wants to be there, who doesn't. And I think yes. that's a, a clear situation. We don't know if Florida is going to be fired up for Oregon State in the Las Vegas Bowl. Oregon State will be fired up. They don't make bowl games on the regular. Right. Can Napier you know, hit the restart button and go, hey, we need to clo- close strong and go into the offseason on a win? No Anthony Richardson. He's sitting out. I saw that. That's that's official, right? Oh yeah. Yep. Draft. He's sitting out. So he's gonna so he gets a chance to break in a new quarterback. Fantastic. Oregon State, we know they're thirsty. They want to be there. They want to make it go. And then I and you mentioned this with respect to Petrino going to Vegas, but this is Vegas is is it crazy to say that Vegas is the New Orleans of the West? <laughs> Not at all. Like they <laughs> I think these guys are going to have a good time out there. Yeah. And so that's, a, that's always an angle for us too. Once we find out that one of the teams has lost a little bit of focus, there's been, I'll tell you, there's been some cases in the past as an example that like Arizona state came up here yeah. and just did Vegas and the, yeah. and the bowl game turned out to be a nightmare. Well, that's the thing, but that's the, th- the same thing happened in, in, in New Orleans, right. With, with LSU and Florida, like they, they're like, yo, we, yo, we're out here. We're doing our thing. So I just I think that's an interesting element. I think this is going to be the first time a lot of these Florida kids have ever been to Las Vegas. First time they've ever been. First time they've ever been around it. And you know they're gonna you you know how it works. You know they're gonna they're gonna get in the back door of a club and just hey don't hey we're on the team let us in come on please let's do it. So I think they're gonna have a good time. I think that. We're gonna. The biggest thing I'm looking for, Cofield, is the size difference. Florida is a humongous team. They're huge. Those offensive linemen, the defensive linemen, they're big boys. And how Oregon State handles that as a, a little bit of a smaller, explosive team, that's going to be the thing I'm looking forward to. But this is one of those games that, like, for me, I mean, what is it on? It's what is it two days? It's on Saturday, yeah. So they're gonna. These guys are gonna square off and go at it. It's not my highlight of the day. My highlight of the day is Washington State, Fresno State. But I do think this game has the potential to be incredibly dangerous for both teams because Oregon State, they're going to, if Florida leans on them, they're going to be in trouble. But if Florida is checked out, especially without their starting quarterback, then we're looking at a game where Oregon State's got an opportunity to kind of slice and dice this team. Add in the bleachers on Twitter. Last one for Michael Felder. We're just over a week away from Christmas. Do you have? Do you plan out your menu like this far out for a big holiday? Oh man, I I've got a whiteboard on the side of my cabinets, and I already have everything written out. Yeah, I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> what's the What's the star of the meal? We're gonna go. We're going with a rib roast. So we're doing a rib roast. We're gonna throw. I'm gonna do Brussels sprouts with country ham. Instead of bacon, I'm doing country ham in there, and you got to throw in some mashed potatoes. You just they all like they're a staple. Like mashed potatoes are like the they're the they're the fullback of the of the of the meal where they just show up and they just knock you silly because they're good. We're gonna do a little gravy on those bad boys, and I am gonna bake a cake. I'm gonna bake a um, red velvet cake. Oh my god! You come on this show so many times. And you go against the grain on foods that people rip. You made an awesome defense for turkey a couple of weeks ago. I love it. We've had the discussion on Cofield and Company about mashed potatoes. People on our show think they're garbage, and all they what? are is all they are is a vehicle to put something on. Like the gravy is the star, and you just made 
a great case for mashed potatoes. And then you're expressing outrage. I've, mashed potatoes are delicious. Butter, you throw some goat cheese in there, or you throw some. I saw. I'm gonna. I do. I do. I either do goat cheese or cream cheese in the mashed potatoes. Flavor them up a little bit. The other thing you can do with mashed potatoes, and this is something I think I might try this year. I'm not sure. I don't know if my dad's gonna like it, but I love jalapeno mashed potatoes. Ooh, yeah. Immersion blender, mix those bad boys in, and you get those green mashed potatoes. You don't need gravy on those. They got the jalapeno. It's spicy with a little sweet from the butter, sweet cream butter. It's you can't beat that. Don't don't tell me mashed potatoes are garbage. Those things are great. He is one of the great chefs on the sports landscape. Pretty good at college football, too. Michael Felder, we appreciate it. Have a good weekend. All right, man. You take it easy. There he is, Michael Felder. At In the Bleachers up on Twitter, part of the Field of 12 podcast, our National College Football Insider. Time for a giveaway. Caller 7 364 Porta Subs. We've got a six-foot Porta Subs sub to give away. 364 The winner qualifies for a chance to win a new Yeti cooler, courtesy of Finley Volvo Cars of Las Vegas. 364-1100. Porta Subs, six-footer. 364-1100, caller 7. Join Cofield and Company on Mondays for the live 2 to 5 show at Twin Peaks in Henderson. Big beers for under 4 bucks. Select appetizers are 2 4 and $6. Come hang at Twin Peaks for Monday Night Football. It's Cofield and Company. All right, I got a treat for you. Listen to these kids. Are they great? Beautiful, beautiful. Kids grade of what? Ah, they're wonderful. Watch your mouth. Your mothers might be listening now. That's very sweet. Now, back to Cofield and Company. There's just one thing that worries me. Can't get enough Joe Pesci. Getting ready for Christmas. Love it, love it, love it. Um... Got to throw out there, hometown hero. Joey Gallo just signs a deal, trying to make his comeback here, a couple of rough years. And Gallo signs a one-year deal, $11 million, with the Minnesota Twins, which is so typical, and now they hit 35 home runs because the Twins are as good as anyone in baseball of mining the middle class. While you have all the uh, you know the top 12 clubs that spend a ton of money, Minnesota has as much or more, but they love the middle class. They love the mid-level bargains, and you watch. They'll resurrect Gallo's career. All right, let's get into the Vegas Golden Knights. Darren Millard is on the horn. The uh, Knights had a really good night last night. He was on the road. Of course. Of course. Darren, how you doing, buddy? Uh, Good. Are you going to go down the path of what's the difference between the road and home? Um, I will eventually. Uh, so, So put some thought to that. But there's more important things to talk about, and that's the effort last night. And going a little deep divey on some of the goals. So, first of all, what was the goal that you enjoyed the most? Because I think the Knights had some spectacular setups for goals. Uh, strangely, and you're going to roll your eyes and say you're such a loser. Uh, the most impressive goal was the empty netter with, <laughs> that Riley Smith had to do this pull and drag and shoot it. And, and, and make it uh, count from, from where he was. 
that that wasn't one of those lob empty netters right. or or throw it in from the corner. That he actually had to make a move and like he was deking the defenseman and put it in. So that's the one that uh, that that jumps out at me. Uh, William Carlson uh, on the on the shorty being able to go down and make a play, but then outwork and just be smarter on the puck against uh, the Chicago Blackhawks power play uh, was unbelievable. And yep. for Riley Smith to be wide open, uh, I, I loved uh, that as well. And and Phil uh, finding that anytime Phil scores is awesome, and he continues to score even though he doesn't score with who he's playing with. But he scored with everybody on the team except his linemates hmm. this year. The So the Riley Smith shorthanded goal – that's what for this year, and if you see it, you're like, oh wow, he's having a really good season. You, you got to, yeah. like you just pointed out, Carlson makes a steal shorthanded. Then basically it goes one v three. At yeah. that point, you know Riley Smith is wide open, but the work by Wild Bill on that was awesome. And I think, if I'm correct, four shorthanded goals. I think that Carlson has assisted on three of them for Riley well, Smith. Riley Smith has one of the great lines uh, on his on a stats card right now. Uh, he's got uh, four shorties, four power plays, and uh, he's got three game winners. Like w- when you when you're filling up those important columns, uh, that means you're one a, a very valuable player, and number two, uh, so versatile uh, about it. And and shame on the Chicago Blackhawks. And I know what's going on there with, with the rebuild, and they don't want to be overly successful. They want to be in on Connor Bedard. And they're playing five forwards on the power play because they just can't score five on five. It's worth the risk to play five forwards. Wow. And it's not even like five forwards that are uh, overwhelming. It's a couple of good forwards and a couple of guys. Uh, but shame on them to have five forwards out there and, and they don't even come close to double teaming Bill on, on that puck in the sideboards. That was atrocious uh, defensive and, and recovery in your own zone. I'm going to ask you what could be a really stupid question because maybe it's an obvious answer. Love but, stupid but, questions but, because I ask them all the time. But you know, you know the sport way more than I do. You just mentioned the the Blackhawks kind of don't want to win. They're in a rebuild, so it's tankathon. Yeah. Is there is there a team in recent memory that tanked that then eventually turned it around and got the super high levels? Has it worked? Uh, Toronto. Okay. Toronto, like. They, now, has it worked? Your, no, but but what, has it has it worked? Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah, uh, yeah. So here's <laughs> the thing with Toronto is they're ultra competitive, and and I picked them at the start of the year to win the President's Trophy this year, okay. and they've got this group of star-studded uh, forwards. They they haven't won around since uh, 1942. Right. Like, like <laughs> right, it, right, it, right. It, it, it's bad. Uh, so that success. They're super competitive, uh, challenging. Now, the Tampa Bay Lightning, they, they hit rock bottom. They built through the draft with the first overall pick and then uh, uh, and, and added on to it uh, with guys. So uh, that, that, that goes back uh, a little bit, little bit more. But, uh, but yeah, you can, you can certainly uh, build uh, through the draft at the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, has it worked? Have they won a championship? No, but I think we would all take Leon Dreisaitl and, and Connor McDavid, who reached a... A, uh, a third round last year. So, uh, to answer your question, uh, uh, yes, it has worked, but I probably define 
success a little differently than you do who look at the at the ultimate prize. I don't yeah, I don't I don't look at the process, man. I just I just want titles. I'm very yeah, very selfish, yeah, very yeah. Well, very then, very then shallow. No, then, very sh- then, very shallow on that front. Well, uh, cuz the, the last one that bottomed out was Chicago, quite yeah. frankly. Yeah. Uh, they 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 bottomed out. Uh, they they managed to uh, be able to be in a position where they were able to draft Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves and quickly turn that around and and won six titles in, in or sorry, three titles in six years. So, yeah, uh, like, like that worked. The problem is they've ran the uh, course of those players' careers, basically. Uh, I'm not saying Kane can't play or, or Taves, who's got nine goals, uh, can't play anymore, but their overall effectiveness is, is done, uh, and, uh, and they're, they're back into the same spot. Yeah, I admire a place like Toronto or even Chicago, a big market that has lots of money. Um, go and tank because, you know, you could – your fans could turn on you. I, I think the most successful one in sports has been the Astros, and it's continued and continue. like their success is, they're a dynasty now, and they may continue. But you know, at the time, no one cared about baseball in in, in Astro Land, and they weren't really risking a whole lot. But it worked; they did it the right way. Uh, yeah, well, and with Chicago it. was was drawing four thousand people at the United Center before Oof. Kane and Tapes, and yeah. you've been to the United Center. It's a large building; uh, doesn't seat the most, but it might be the biggest building uh, when you talk about uh, square footage uh, it was cavernous uh, echoey uh, in there i don't think you ever want to be to that stage where you're irrelevant and your fans don't care because you're that uh, uncompetitive uh, and that's that's what they're they're getting towards uh, now in chicago i'll say admiration to the fans though because uh, guess what that lights a fire under your butt if no one shows up they're sending a message you better get it together and you yep. better get it together quick because we're not going to pay for tickets right uh, but but the, here's the thing, if 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 the, is the owner uh, or the manager in uh, a, a bad spot? Because if if getting bad and getting a first overall pick and acquiring draft choices, which is what Arizona and Chicago have done, if that's the quickest way to turn it around, uh, I'm not saying the fans don't have a say in that process. It's just. They're just going to sit back and wait for it to turn around. I don't think it's because of the fans' perspective entirely. It's more that's the, the quickest way to do it uh, because you can't rebuild on the fly, which is, which is sort of what Vegas has been able to do over the six years. They, yeah. They've complemented as they've gone along, which has been really impressive. And the one down here that they had was, was uh, out of their control. Darren Millard, AT&T Sportsnet. Also, our VGK Insider show is up here on a Friday. Nice enough to uh, join us before the weekend on Cofield and Company. Win last night for the Knights at the Blackhawks. 14-2-1 Vegas is now on the road. Tell me about the game that Logan Thompson had uh, because the dude is now, what, 14-7 and on the season last night. Stopped 24-25. What kind of game did he have? Uh, it was a low event in the first period. Uh, Vegas was by far the, the better team, the expected better team in the first period. Uh, he got more pressure in the second and was uh, was definitely under uh, a little bit more uh, action in the, uh, in the in the third period. Uh, he played uh, he played a really solid game. I, I, he, he probably thinks if he if he looks back at that tape and he does because uh, he's a ring crack, uh, he he would look at that and say I, I should have had a shadow uh, because that puck went through him 18 hole between the elbow and the and the and the hip. But uh, I thought it was a really, really good bounce-back game uh, for him. Uh, there was parts of his game that, uh, to the 
uh, more um, nuanced uh, uh, observer of goaltending. Uh, he he would probably like to clean up a little, be a little tidier on, but uh, but for a confidence booster, uh, going within three minutes of uh, of, a, of a shutout after the last couple of games, a big step uh, and, and and a big uh, big game, big performance by by Logan Thompson. I was I was really happy with this game. So you kind of teased the question about five minutes ago. What do you say to people when they ask about Vegas being fourteen two and one on the road? Well, I can't come up with uh, uh, the the gold answer. Uh, I will say uh, I'll defeat one theory and then I'll give you my my own. Uh, the idea that they're just more focused on the road because they don't have the distractions around. And all they're doing is uh, is hockey, and they get on the bus, and they they go uh, to the rink, and uh, they're just uh, all together. There's bonding. Um, that's good for players. I think <laughs> it, it helps build chemistry. It's a load of garbage when it comes to why they're <laughs> they're better here uh, than they are at home. Otherwise, Steve, would would every team or three right. quarters of the teams right. in all sports not be better uh, on the road than they are at home? Exactly. Because they all do the same thing. So, so I don't buy that. I let people who play the game, who tell me that, offer it up. I nod, and I, and I go along with it because I don't want to be that guy who, who never played and, uh, and is telling them what, what the reality is. But the facts do support me in this. Now, my theory is the power play has been incredible on the road, and that's a big reason why they're scoring a bunch more goals uh, on the road uh, than they are at home. So th- I think that's why they're winning more games on their own. The, the follow-up you're going to say is, so why is the power play better on their own? I don't have a clue. I don't know. <laughs> uh, when, when, one of the goofiest stats that, that you'll ever see in the National Hockey League is uh, road power play percentage and home power play percentage. It, it, it doesn't make any sense because you're not putting out your power play unit based on who their penalty killers are. Like, you're not matched. That's not a last change scenario where you're matching lines. So uh, I, I don't understand why, why we even do that, road power play or, or home power play. It does come in handy here. Uh, that shows me that their, their performance with the man advantage on the road has been exceptional. That's why they're scoring more goals. That's why they're winning more hockey games. I just don't know why the power play is better on the road. So I, I've got to do a little bit more. I don't know whether I'll ever know that. Very important part of this conversation. we got like 90 seconds left. Our question of the day, are you an eggnog guy? I am. Like one and a half glasses a year, and then I'm done. Like, you know the one liter of jugs that you get or or cartons? Yep. Uh, that, that, That will satisfy my entire family because my kids don't drink it. My wife hates it. So And uh, so I'll buy the one liter. I'll get one and a half glasses out of it, and we'll still have some left over by the end. But I do like it it's it's um it's one of those things where i think i like it a lot more than i do but uh but i i have a craving for it i just don't go all in by the end sports talk sports talk at its best i know i love eggnog see there's nothing christmas that i don't like there's everything christmas i like everything yep everyone thinks i'm a grinch nope christmas love everything Oh, I don't think you're a Grinch. I think you're you're awesome. I, I think you can be a little bit testy at times, but I but I but, I, but no no. But I enjoy that, Steve. Yes, if you every, need every, it. everybody's happy, what good is that? Right. You, 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 if, if you're not testy, I don't appreciate the really nice people, and the testy people make me feel a little bit more normal because I'm a jerk. 
There you so go. I feel like I've got company, buddy. That was like the best, like slap in the face of the back of the hand compliment no, ever. No, that no. was great. I, I love I, that. I'm a, I'm a turd uh, with people. Yeah. I don't want to be around people. So when I hear somebody that's testy, I'm like, good. There's more people like me. All right, Darren. Happy holidays, buddy. See ya. You too, buddy. Merry Christmas, pal. <laughs> See ya.